Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well? And subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. Can I tell you, if you haven't done your Christmas shopping yet, if you have not completed it, all the best to you. I was at the shops like at midday today. Um, who goes to the shops at midday? I would have thought nobody. Um, if you're like me, you go early where there's less people, but there were people there, a lot of people. And so um, if you haven't done your shopping, you're going to have to fight the crowds and I'll pray for you. Um, but I do love Christmas. It is the season. I love gifts. So it's, it's, it's just the best season for anyone who is a gift person. If you like to receive gifts, give gifts. If you're like our good friend Kate Smith, loves to give gifts and always gives the perfect gift. Um, but sometimes gift giving goes wrong. And um, I had one of those experiences. And now I, I have lists of things. And and people know that they should not deviate from the list that I have given them for Christmas um, because it goes wrong. Um, But one one year when um, Nathan and I were not yet married and we were still dating, he gave me this gift for Christmas and um, it, I thought it was going to be a bit of a deal breaker for us. Um, Yeah, it was that bad. Okay, do you want to know what it is, <laughs> what it was? I took it back, I returned it. It was not, you know, what was I going to do? Um, so his first mistake was that he, he bought me an item of clothing. And yeah, honestly, um, rookie error. He didn't know, he was young. Um, and you should obviously never buy women items of clothing because A, you probably don't know the size and um, B, like, I don't know, Unless you're attentive to detail, maybe you can, that's fine. But for him, not so great. So it was this, um, love him. It was this, <laughs> it was this, it's okay, he has other strengths. Um, it was this, <laughs> it was this dress, and um, which was fine, but it was orange. And I don't know if you've noticed, but like I have quite fair skin and, and people with fair skin typically don't wear orange. And I don't think I've ever worn orange in my life. Um, and I, I didn't even start wearing orange at that point because I returned the item. Um, and so now we stick to lists and everything's okay and we were able to get married and onwards and upwards, it's fine. <laughs> but um, I actually don't even know why I told that story. I'm just talking for the sake of it. Um, but, you know, I think, let me link this for you. Um, sometimes, obviously, uh, we can unwrap gifts and we can be really disappointed, okay, especially if we, we're not getting something that we desired. It can be really disappointing. And we talk a lot about unmet expectations in life. And a really common question that people ask is, what's my purpose? Where am I going? What am I doing? How did I get here? And sometimes we end up in spaces where we're like, oh, I don't, I don't know um, I don't know how to move forward, or I thought I would be, you know, 10 steps ahead of of where I currently am, and people can become really disillusioned with life, and 
I want to talk to us tonight about this um, concept of the, the now and the not yet. That as Christians, we, or as people, we experience life in both the, the now, but also in the not yet. Okay, and, and there are some people who fail to see the not yet, um, and, and, and they, they lose hope, and their life is full of despair. Um, but then there are people who, who can see both. I can live both in the now and in the present, but I can also see beyond that. I'm looking to the future. And so, essentially, we've got um, two types of people. There are people who live for the moment, um, and you've probably met some of those people. Really spontaneous, um, everything's all good, oh, don't worry about tomorrow, oh, just, I'll just do whatever. Uh, they don't really have a plan, they're not really thinking forward. Um, and, and then we have people who... Uh, do have a plan, or they are thinking about 10 years in the future, or they are thinking about their legacy or what they want their life to count for, okay? And so these two things kind of exist simultaneously at the same time, okay? So it's not like we're living in the present and the future at the same time, but the idea of those things exists at the same time, and, and we're thinking constantly about what decisions I'm making now and how that's going to impact my future. Because everything that I do right now obviously has a flow-on effect and will affect my future. There will be consequences, implications. It might be good, it might be bad, depending on the choices that I make. And we, um, the time that we actually get here on earth is actually so short in the grand scheme of things. So God has this like master plan and our existence is, is just like, even if you just imagine like a timeline, we're just like one of those little strokes on a timeline um, and, and we get to play a part in God's plan, absolutely. But it's so short that you actually have to really like make it count and you actually have to be able to look beyond, you have to be able to see the not yet. Otherwise, you do become really disillusioned. And um, because it's fitting, because it's Christmas, we're actually going to look at some people who played um, key roles in the birth of Jesus. And so before Jesus obviously came into the world, it was prophesied that he would, he would come. There were many prophets who came before the birth of Jesus and, and said that the Messiah was coming and he was going to save the world from sin. He was going to be king of the Jews, all those sorts of things. Many, many prophecies. And um, actually, uh, there was 30 different prophets over a period of 4,000 years before Jesus was even born who, who foretold the coming of the Messiah. And those prophets died before they saw Jesus. Okay, they didn't actually get to experience the birth of Jesus. And so they're a really clear indication of, of people who are living in the now and not yet. I am prophesying something that is, is going to take place, but I never actually get to experience that. And that's actually really powerful um, to not lose heart in that. And, and when Jesus was born, there were approximately 330 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled. And I just think that's kind of mind-blowing that um, you can dedicate your whole life, like think about someone like Isaiah, you can dedicate your whole life to um, prophesying the coming of the Messiah 
urging people to turn from their ways and then never actually see the fulfillment of that in your time. And it's so incredible that, like, that just gives me hope that I, I like, I actually want to live a life where I don't even see the fruit of what I sow today. Like, that the fruit of what I sow goes beyond my generation and beyond the next generation. And, and that's what legacy is, okay? Um, so we're going to go, we're just going to dive right in. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 1 verse 26 to 38, um, where we meet Mary, okay? And she is someone absolutely who is living um, now and not yet in both of those realms. Okay, so it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And so already we've got um, Mary on this particular path. Um, things are mapped out for her. She's engaged to be married to Joseph. She'll probably have some kids, and that's what life will kind of look like for her. Um, she's living there now, but then she's suddenly interrupted by the not yet. Okay, so she's confused and disturbed. She thinks about what the angel could possibly mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And so Mary's response was obedience. Okay, and so my first point about living in this space of now and not yet is that our, our purpose actually begins with obedience and partnership. And and it's actually um, obedience that, that then leads to partnership. So when I'm obedient to God, um, I actually can move into this space of partnership with God. Okay? Um, and we, so like, well, Mary actually could have said no. Let's unpack that first. So in, when, we're, when we think about our purpose and our destiny, um, whatever you want to call that, our future, we essentially have two things. There's the, the sovereign will of God, and then there's also my choices. So I, I get a say in what happens. Um, I make choices, there's a flow and effect of that. So Mary could have actually said no. She didn't have to take this path of obedience to God. She could have said, oh, like that's actually probably a little too hard for me. Um, that's going to cost me a lot. Uh, people are going to shame me. I'm going to look really bad. I'm not even married. There are a whole bunch of reasons she could have said no. Um, and, and Joseph, uh, like she would, she would have been 
probably concerned that, well, Joseph's going to leave me. He's going to think that I've done the wrong thing. He's not going to trust me. He's not going to believe me. He's going to leave me. And for a woman in that time to be completely deserted by a male um, would have had catastrophic effects. Okay, And she possibly could have been disowned by her family, um, completely disgraced, and, and, and her life just turned upside down. And so there are many reasons that she, she could have said no, but she didn't. She, she chose to respond with humility and obedience, despite the fact that the alternative would have been easier, okay? And so let's look at um, Joseph, because he too plays a part in that obedience. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And this is Isaiah speaking way back then. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. And so he demonstrates an act of obedience there as well. He too could have said no, and in fact he was. He was going to break off the engagement um, because it, it would have potentially brought shame on him. People would have um, questioned his integrity in her pregnancy and all of that. Um, And so he could have said, this is a little bit too hard. This is going to bring shame on me and my family. And I'm just not up for that. Okay. And very well could have said no. um, Because he probably didn't want to have to, yeah, manage that social stigma for the rest of their lives. And two, they they would have had, um, like, he would have had people in his world probably say to him, hey, this is not a good idea. Like, definitely just break off the engagement. Um, He probably had family, friends, um, relatives who who were in favor of not marrying Mary, potentially. And so, despite all of that, despite circumstances, he chose to marry her. Um, and in doing so, what I love about this is that he, he preserved her security and, and her dignity, okay? And so we know that he was righteous, and because of their obedience, so Mary and Joseph, um, their obedience actually led to one of the most beautiful partnerships, I think, that we ever see in the Bible, that um, God would choose them to partner with him to bring about the existence of Jesus, the Son of God, God made flesh, the Messiah, into the world. One of the most significant things that they could have done, like such an honor and such a privilege, they were literally entrusted with God made flesh, okay? And the other thing we see here is that the birth of Jesus 
shows us that, that God actually has a desire to partner with us, okay? So we're, we're living in the now and not yet. Um, we don't need to become disillusioned with our future because God actually has a desire to partner with mankind. He could have brought about the salvation of the world through any other means. It didn't need to be Jesus, didn't need to be a man um, in human form. Um, it, could, it could have been anything. He's God, literally up to him. But because he desires so much to have relationship with you, because he loves humanity so much, he actually chose to partner with us. Okay, and so that's clear evidence there that, that his desire is to be in partnership with us. Okay, and so as we, as we live in the now and not yet, we remember that. We remember that um, we get opportunities to be obedient to God. That leads to partnership. And we can actually see beyond ourselves in that because we're not living for just the now. We're actually living for eternity. We're living for the kingdom. There's something bigger than just you and I. And my next point is that um, your destiny is actually in direct correlation to what you have courage for, to your level of courage. Because um, we know that Mary and Joseph, just by you know, the first few chapters of their story, um, they actually risked everything to bring Jesus into the world. Okay, and, and that took great courage. And we know that they, they could have said no, and many people make excuses. Many people make excuses and they have reasons as to why not or why something's too hard or why they can't do something. But they didn't. They didn't use those excuses. And some people actually, um, they reduce their destiny down to their level of courage. Okay, and, and I'm not talking courage in the sense that um, I'm going to go skydiving and jump out of a plane or roller coasters or whatever that might be. Um, that's not the kind of courage I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of like courage where God asks you to do something that seems impossible to you, but in your absolute faith and trust in Him, you do that. You follow His leading. You say yes to God. And my other point too here is that sometimes I think our level of courage is reduced by the people we hang out with and influenced by the people, by the voices that we actually listen to. And so, like, don't hang out with people who are going to validate your fears and people who are going to um, tell you that it's okay to, to give in or give up or, or whatever that might be. Mary and Joseph chose to listen to the voice of God rather than probably their own fears and the people around them, okay? And so when we're living in now and not yet, we need to have courage for, for our obedience to God. And actually, Jordan Peterson says um, that your life becomes meaningful in direct proportion to the depths of responsibility that you're willing to shoulder, and there's this idea in life that um, things, things that are easier are less meaningful, okay? So something that costs me something has value. Um, like I think when, when I was a child, I, um, I probably didn't value things that were given to me that my parents bought for me as much as I value those things now that I have to pay for them, 
okay, because it costs me something. So it has that, that level of value um, because I'm having to give something. Um, and it's the same as like, like how we experience grief and, and loss. Uh, if, if the person wasn't meaningful to us, there would be no sense of, of loss. But because something has value, there's a risk that we might lose it. And because there's a risk that we might lose it, it has inherent value. Um, and so, I don't even know where I was going with that. <laughs> but we're talking about things that are meaningful, okay? And so, we, we actually have to count the cost and, and take some risk. So when God asks us, like he appears to Mary and Joseph, and he says, you're going to bring the Savior of the world into the world, we, we actually have to have some level of courage to move beyond the risk, um, to not just calculate it and go, oh, no. That's what a meaningful life is, okay? And that's uh, when we live out our destiny in that sense, and we have courage for those things, that's where meaning is made. And my third point is this. We actually have to live beyond the here and now. So if I'm living in the now and not yet, I have to recognize that, that I'm doing things, there are things that are happening now, but I'm living for the future. I'm living for the not yet. And there are things in the not yet that I might not ever see. But I'm constantly living beyond the here and now, knowing that everything I do now will have an impact. And we can even look at Mary and Joseph's journey. It didn't get any easier for them after they were given this news that they were going to bring the Savior of the world into the world. It didn't get any easier for them. They had to go on a long journey to Bethlehem. Okay, The baby was born. Jesus was born. Um, but then Herod wanted to kill Jesus. And so then they had to flee to Egypt. And then they were there for several years. And I'm sure at that point, they, they questioned their eternal purpose and destiny. And was this really from God? And um, what are we doing here? Because now we're in this place that we weren't really meant to be in and we're running for our lives. Um, and then they returned to Nazareth several years later and they raised Jesus and they steward that season of their lives well. Okay, but the whole time they would have constantly had to consider the fact that Yes, this is happening now, but I'm living for something beyond this. I'm not living in the here and now. Yes, my circumstances don't look too great. Yes, this is messy, but, but I know that God has given me a word. I know that, that an angel appeared to me and told me that these things were going to take place. And so we hold fast to that. Mary and Joseph would have had to. We know that Mary actually, she, she says that um, she had things that were hidden in her heart. She held on to things in her heart. Um, and so she would have had to hold on to that in order to live beyond the here and now. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 38, where we meet some new people. Okay, and so this is where Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. Um, and they, they encounter two people, um, Simeon and Anna. And these are two people who are absolutely living beyond the here and now. So it says, At the time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. 
The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. And Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. And then we move down to verse 36 and we meet Anna, a prophet who was in the temple also. She was very old. Her husband had died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84 and never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God, fasting and praying. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. And she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. And so they meet Simeon, who has lived most of his life in the season of not yet, okay, believing that the Messiah is coming and God's promised me that I'm going to see him, okay? And we meet Anna, who, oh my goodness, despite her grief and loss, after she'd only been married for several years, her husband dies, she doesn't waste her life. She dedicates her life to God at the temple, it says her, the 84 years she spent worshiping through fasting and prayer. And God chose her to be one of the first people to meet Jesus, which is significant. People who were living in the season of not yet, and God's kind enough to let them be one of the first people to meet Jesus. He chose them to see heaven that day because they lived with this kingdom mindset. They lived with heaven on their mind. They lived with the kingdom of God on their mind. They were living in a season of not yet. And they recognized that, that the future was actually coming, that the Messiah was actually coming. And we take heart in the fact that we actually only see in part because it's hard. It is actually really hard to live in both of those spaces this is what my life looks like now, and this is not what I thought it would be, and this is really hard. It's so hard to step out and recognize, but I know that there's more, and, and I know that I might, not never, I might not ever get to see my purpose. That might not, that'll be fulfilled, but I might not ever get to see the fulfillment of that. And so it is really hard to reconcile, but we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 9 to 12. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And so while in the moment... 
things don't always make sense and we only get to see this small part of what we're here for and what we're doing, there will come a time on a different side of heaven in eternity where, where it does make sense, where we see in fullness, okay? And we think of people like, like Moses who actually um, died. He could see the promised land, but he didn't get to enter it. Wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Promised land was literally promised to him. And he didn't actually get to see the fulfillment of that. There's many people like Abraham, father of many nations, many descendants. He didn't get to see the fulfillment all of that because he's not living across all the generations for the you know, entirety of time. We live... We live in the now and not yet. We live in this small fraction of time. And I want my life to count for something that I, I do not yet see, that I never see, that I never get to see. Like, you don't say yes to running kids ministry if you're just living in the now. You say yes to running kids ministry because you see generationally because you want the seed of what you're sowing now to bear fruit generation after generation after generation because I'm living in the now and I'm also living in the not yet. And I think of people like, like my mum who um, she, she was a first-generation Christian, so, so nobody in her family, um, her friends, no one in her circle knew Jesus or was a Christian or probably had any concept of that. Um, but one day, so she, you know, she started having babies and one day she just decided to go to church. She just recognized her need for Jesus in her life. And I was one of those people who were privileged and I'm so thankful that I got to be raised in a Christian home and she sent us to a Christian school and that was my world. And my dad didn't actually become a Christian till a lot later. But she was so intentional with her values that despite maybe not being on the same page with my dad, despite not having people in her family go to church or believe in Jesus or whatever, she still took us to church every Sunday. She still made us go to kids' church. She still sent us to a Christian school. She still instilled all of those things into us. And the trajectory of my life changed. Before I was even born, the day that my mom said yes to Jesus. Because my mom wasn't living for herself. She wasn't living just for her own generation. She saw beyond that. She recognized her need for Jesus. And I might not be standing on a platform here today speaking to you. I might not have ever been a youth pastor. I might not, have not be running a kid's ministry. I might not be teaching in a Christian school. There's a bunch of things that I probably would not be doing if my mom did not say yes to Jesus. If she didn't live in the now and not yet. If she didn't see beyond the here and now. Because we're actually called to live beyond generations. And, and my mom's yes, 
not only changes my generation and the people that I encounter, but it changes my family. It changes the way, it impacts the way I would raise kids and my children's children and their children, and there's a massive flow-on effect. When we understand that we're, we're now and we're not yet. And the first step to actually living in this space of obedience and partnership with God and seeing beyond ourselves is actually knowing God, is actually having your own opportunity to say yes to God. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.